You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Well, it's good to be back with you tonight. Take your Bible, if you will, go to Jeremiah 33, and uh, I'm looking forward to tonight. It's a very personal message to me. And I hope it will be for you tonight as well. I believe it will be if you'll listen and heed the Word of God and obey the Word of God. Expect God uh, to do what He says He'll do. And uh, He's never let me down yet. If He's let you down, I don't know what happened there. But God's not in the letting down business. God is in the lifting up business. And God's there for each and every single child of God. And if you're here tonight and you don't think you're a child of God, you don't think you're saved, you don't know you're saved, i got news for you. He's your God too. He just wants you to be saved, born again, trust in His Son, and uh, have that life that you can benefit from God with. And uh, He wants that more than anything. He sent His Son to die in your stead so you could have that life. And uh, But God is good. And preacher, I told you earlier today... and. Church, I want to tell you before we get started that you have been a blessing. Uh, I told the preacher I just felt like I struggled since I've been here in, in speaking. And I hope that didn't come across that way. But my wife told me today that, that you did fine. I've just heard one of your messages 10 or 15 times. So I said, yes, but you're not here. Anyway, how many of you remember, you ladies especially, you pay attention to these things. How many of you remember me talking about that if my pocket's crooked or something, my wife points it out? The very first thing she said when I got on the phone was, your collar was sticking out again. And I'm thinking, you didn't hear anything God said? You just found my collar? So it's amazing. I guess that's what keeps us together and happy about everything. So I know you're watching, dear. Is it okay? Are my pockets in? If you just get your Bible out and listen to God, you won't worry about any of that. (laughs) Amen. How many of you found your place in Jeremiah 33? All right, would you stand with me? We're going to read some verses. I hope this will give you some stretch, some exercise, whatever. But this is powerful for me, and I pray it will be powerful for you. It will challenge you in the, in the area of revival. It will challenge you in the area of trusting God and et cetera, et cetera. We'll see that in just a moment. But Jeremiah 33, verse number 1. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the second time while he was yet, watch it now, shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it to establish it, the Lord is his name. I just get excited reading that verse there. But I like his next word, call unto me. This is our God speaking to you and I personally. Call unto me and I will. Oh, I like that. I will answer thee and shew thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Go up down to verse number 8. He goes down to verse number 8 and he begins to say here, And I will cleanse them from all their iniquity, whereby from all their iniquity, whereby they have sinned against me, talking about the people of God, and I will pardon all their iniquities, whereby they have sinned and whereby they have transgressed against me. In other words, he's looking for the people of God to confess their sin, that he's right there ready to forgive their sin. Verse 9, it shall be, uh, it shall be to me a name of joy, a praise, an honor before all the nations of the earth, which shall hear all the good that I do unto them. Well, we got a good God, ladies and gentlemen. 
and they shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and for all the prosperity that I procure unto it. Thus saith the Lord again, there shall be heard in this place which ye say shall be desolate without man and without beast, even in the cities of Judah, in the streets of Jerusalem, that are desolate without man and without inhabitant and without beast. The voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voice of them that shall, watch now, that shall say, Praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Watch it now. And of them that shall bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord, for I will cause to return to the captivity of the land as it as it as at the first saith the Lord. I say the Lord of hosts again in this place, which is desolate, without man, without beast, and all the city thereof shall be a habitation of shepherds, causing their flocks to lie down in the cities of the mountains and the cities in the cities of the south, in the land of Benjamin, in the places uh, about Jerusalem, and in the cities of Judah, shall the flocks pass again under hands of him that telleth them, saith the Lord. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will perform that good thing which I have promised unto the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. In those days, oh, listen to it, and at that time will I cause the branch. If you don't know who the branch is, then you probably don't know who Christ is. He said, I will cause a branch of righteousness to grow up unto David. He shall execute judgment and righteousness in the land. In those days shall Judah be saved, and Jerusalem shall dwell safely, and this is the name whereof she uh, shall be called the Lord our righteousness. Now go back over to verse number 3. Now I want to use that as kind of my text verse. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and shew thee great and mighty things, which thou knowest not. Father, we love you. Lord, thank you for your word. No way to ever exhaust it. There's a message in it every time we hear it preached, every time we hear it taught, every time we read it. Lord, there's always something there that you want us to, to grasp and something you want us to uh, bring into our own lives and uh, look forward to the future. You've got it all under control. But Lord, are we under that control? Father, bless now as only you can. I pray, ask it all in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. You may be seated. What are these great and mighty things that God speaks of here in these text verses that we open with? In Jeremiah's day, it was the miraculous prophecy that God would one day return to Israel, to return to Israel to Jerusalem to the, the great glory that they once knew in their earlier uh, lives. At the time... Israel was being overtaken here by the then most powerful nation on earth, and it was Babylon under the most wicked and powerful king at that time, King Nebuchadnezzar. You know, we've got Nebuchadnezzars in our nation too. Now, I'm not going to get into all that politicking, but i got news for you. If we seek God out and live for God, God will take care of you and I. And when it gets so bad we can't understand it and, and don't, uh, can't comprehend it all, God just come back and toot them horns and call us home to glory. Amen? Amen. But I like here in the beginning calling to me and I will show thee great and mighty things. I love that word great. I just love to read that word and speak that word, and especially in light of God and God's word. And that word Greek in our opening text there literally comes from the Hebrew word gadol. Now, I don't know what all that means because I didn't look it up again tonight, but I did study it years ago, that one word. And I remember, and I wrote it down for this message tonight. 
It means big. It means big. And the word mighty means prophecy unknown. In other words, listen to me. God has some big things in store for the people of God. You and I have got to believe it. You and I have got to accept it. You and I have got to receive it. You and I have got to obey what is necessary to see God's blessings on our life. To you and I, the great and mighty things are the promises and blessings of God that He desires for me to have and to you have as a child of God. And there's so many in this Bible. We couldn't sit here and go through them in, in, in two months' time. There's so many of them. That's why you need to read your Bible. You need to read your Bible regularly. You need to read your Bible on purpose. And that way when you're listening to the man of God preach the Word of God or your Sunday school teacher teach the Word of God, you'll understand. You'll say, I read that. Now I know what it means. Now I know what God was saying. You can't all get it in one service. You can't get it in a year of services. But you can pick up some along the way. God wants you to be able to understand the Word of God. But it means big. And that word mighty means prophecy unknown yet. To you and I, great and mighty things, listen to me, are the promises and blessings of God that He desires for you and you and you and I to have in our life. God's a good God, ladies and gentlemen. We blame God for a lot of things He don't deserve blame for. In fact, He don't deserve blame for anything. He deserves thanksgiving and praise and, uh, from you and I. But to you and I, those great and mighty things, blessings of God are just desires that He has for you and I in our lives, our homes, our families. This is a well-known passage. It's been preached on literally thousands of times over. I've heard many, many messages on it. But this was my ministry verse for the year 2015. I'll never forget it. And I've seen God do some great and mighty things, the hand of, uh, of the blessings of God in my life, in my family's life in the ministries that God has had us involved in during that period of time, those period of time. The other scriptures I want you to read real quick, don't lose your place, we'll be back, is I want you to go over with me real quick to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Just want to lay a little groundwork here for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, if you'll look for that. Don't you wish you had a swig of that water? Watch this now, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Look at verse number 9. The Bible said, But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of the man the things, listen, which God hath prepared for them that love him. We've been talking a lot about love here this morning. And, and, and the thing about it is, ladies and gentlemen, if we love God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind, if we love Him in that, in that way, God has so many things He wants to open up to not only you, but to your church, to your Sunday school class, to your bus ministry, whatever you may be involved in, to your marriage, to your job, to those things that you can honor God with. He wants to get in on it's what He's trying to say. So, but it's for them that love Him. And I like what it says in verse 10, but God hath revealed them unto us. By His Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Well, when I got to thinking about that, I got so excited. There's so many places I would love to go, and I'll go to some of them in just a moment. But I want you to listen to me. That well-known passage there in Jeremiah 33 tells us what we are to do to see these things happen in our life. Number one, we're to ask. Not ask amiss, as James tells us not to do, but we're to ask God and let God get in on it with you and I. 
We need to ask. We need to ask the only one who can answer and deliver us from that which we need to be delivered from and to bless us with that that we need to be blessed with so that we can serve Him. Jeremiah 33 says, ask and you shall. Then it says, if you will, anticipate. Are you, are you listening to me? He said, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty thing which thou knowest not. Well, he's already got my attention. They're saying that I don't know yet. And he wants me to know them. He wants you to know them. I got news for you, and, and I'm no great preacher, but I've been around a lot of churches, and you've got a great church going here right now. The spirit in it, it's thick, it's real. I'm talking about a good spirit. But you can lose that as quick as you can get it. So you got to stay lined up with the book of God, stay lined up with the reading of the word of God, stay lined up in obedience to that word, and believe what God says in his word. We're to anticipate that God has, expect God to do the great thing. To experience the big things that God has in store for you individually and for you as a family, for you as a church family, William Carey, that great missionary that we've read about and talked about, has a great quote, and we've all used it from time to time. And he said, expect great things from God. But he also said, attempt great things for God. You don't get something for nothing except salvation. All you had to do is salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And it's a done deal. But when God wants to bless you in different areas of your life and strengthen you or maybe call you into the ministry, work, son, you need to just go ahead and get in the ministry and get it over with. I don't even know you that well. But good God, that prayer you laid out a while ago, I want to stand up and shout and say hallelujah. I don't know. Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. Get close to God. Let him do something with that. Not just with the prayer, but with you. You're a big old boy. You could fight for God. That's what you could do. <laughs> but don't you like anticipation? Amen. Huh? I'll tell you, I anticipate going home getting sugars. <laughs> you say, that's a little too personal. I've been married for almost 50 years. I can get personal. <laughs> but if she says another thing about my clothing being crooked, there'd be no sugars. <laughs> Amen. Ask, ask the only one who can answer and deliver us. Anticipate, expect to see and experience big thing God has in store for all, all who will believe. And I'm like William Carey. I'm going to expect it. I'm going to anticipate it. And by the way, I'm going to continue to try to attempt greater things for God until God just can't use me anymore. I believe God will use me until I'm not usable. What I mean by that is I can mess my life up just like anybody else can. I got to guard that. You got to guard that every day of your life. Young people, you got to guard it. But older people, we do too. And I want to be in a place where God can say, all right, here's another great thing, Carl Loggy, I want you to do, I want you to have. Well, I look forward to that, preacher. I, I, I felt your preacher's heart just in the few, few hours that we've had to spend together. And I'm telling you right now, if he was to reveal everything he, that he believes God wants to do with you in this, this, this church and this uh, area, this facility, this area, it, it would probably frighten you just a little bit. But you know what? I'd rather have a man who has a heart that's expecting God to do something than somebody who just picks up a paycheck on Sunday and goes about his business through the rest of the week. 
You need to accept that God alone is able to keep His Word. You just got to have that faith. And by the way, if you had faith to get some of you know you're going to heaven, say amen. amen. That's the greatest faith you've ever needed. If you got that, the rest of it should be cake, amen. And icing, got to have icing on cake. But God alone is able to keep His Word. You cannot look back and limit God now or in the future. That's a lack of faith. That's a lack of faith. Well, I knew I'd get caught up in some of that, but I got excited about it, so you forgive me. Amen? Every time I read Jeremiah 33, I, 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 when I look at it, I think of this. We serve a big God with big promises for His people. God's people will not grow in their faith unless they believe these things. Or by faith attempt or accomplish great things for God and accept God's future for them without seeing things as God sees them. You know, church, it's time we get back to looking at things like God sees them. Amen? He's the one who created the word faith. He's the one that created the life of faith. And I think if we live by faith, He's going to bless that. Do you realize that He's put Himself on the line? Do you realize that if, if the Lord said it, we've always said, I believe it? But more than that, if God said it and, and it didn't work, it means that we don't have a God we can trust. But we do have a God we can trust. So when I read this, I get excited. I'm getting more excited right now because I've seen God do great things. And in the year that I claimed these verses here and I wrote it down again for this message, I listen to me, listen to me. God has done some miraculous things that we don't have time to sit around and talk about all of them. But I've experienced them. And we're nobody. We're just a saved, born-again child of God that God called to preach the gospel. Help, listen to me. Every one of you is just as important to God as this preacher is. And God has the same things in store for you. You may not be a preacher, and you probably ought to thank God for that. Amen? But you are a child of God. You're His child. He wants to do special things in your life, church. He wants to do special things in your class, teacher. He wants to do special things in your, your uh, 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 testimony, deacons. He wants to do special things. He wants you to stand out, not for others to see, but to stand out that he might see, and that he might be able to bless. And in doing that, I promise those blessings will roll off on everybody around you. That's the way God works. So I want to preach on this for a little while, if you'll let me. Something big. I like big stuff, amen? I'm a Texas guy. Big things in my life today that keeps me growing. Big things in my life today that keeps me going day in and day out. Big things in my life that gives to me the, the extra faith I need to make another step in another day. That would be my life giving it to Him. That would be living for Him who loved me and gave Himself for me. So here's some things I think will help you. Just a, a challenge tonight. Number one, here we go. Number one, y'all ready? I want Christ, nothing new here, but I want Christ to be the biggest person in my life. Are you listening? I don't need a football player hero. Besides that, Dallas hadn't had a hero in so long, I don't know. But I do need a hero, a real hero. 
Bob Smith comes real close. Bob Smith's been my friend for over 40 years. And Bob Smith and I become dear friends over the years. You say, well, you've mentioned him before. I'll probably mention him two or three more times. He's just a great man of God. And the thing about it is we have seen great things happen. I've learned so many great things from him, through him, through his life. And by the way, if you follow his ministry, he's built some pretty good ministries. But I want Christ to be the biggest person in my life, not Bob Smith. I want Christ to be the biggest person in my life, not even my wife. I want Christ to be the biggest person in my life, period. Paul said it best in Philippians 1.21. He said this. He said, for to me to live is Christ. To die is gain. Think about that. If we all died right here, right now, guess what we're going to do? We need to wake up in glory. Amen? No more income tax. No more elections. Amen? Just heaven. But you know what? We can have a little bit of that heaven down here if we just obey God. For to me to live is Christ to die again. We're living in a day when men and women idolize their favorite football player, their favorite singer, favorite basketball player, etc. Movie stars, sports figures. You notice I didn't put any politicians in there. But I want, listen, I want Jesus to be so big and so large in my life that I'll do anything he asks me to do, period, amen. How about you? He's been asking some of you to get more involved. And many of you are, and I've loved it. I've been here. If I was living in this city right now or moved down here, I'd join in a second just to get into a church that's excited about Jesus. You young men, you young ladies, I see a bunch of you in here. You need to follow the leadership of your pastor and those that he says you can follow the leadership of because there's some you probably don't need to follow. But the person you need to follow is in this book right here. And if you're saved, he's in this heart right here. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And he'll never lead you into the wrong area of your life, ever. You ought to be willing to say, I'll do anything he asks me to do. Well, how about serving just somewhere? Now, there's a lot of people on the platform singing. Everybody loves singing, be seen. Huh? I, I told you I helped you out right over here. You didn't hear it, did you? Is that baritone. It was bass for a while and I lost it. But I got the baritone in there. Don't ask me to harmonize because I don't even know what. Well, I thought it was something you put in your mouth like a harmonica. <laughs> don't ask me to harmonize because I don't know what harmony is. No, I do. I just, I love to sing. Good choice of song. Good song leader. Where's he at? Is he in church? <laughs> well, maybe he went for coffee or something. Great job, son. Great job. Man, I'm, I'm in here and I thought the Mormon Tabernacle Choir was here. <laughs> hey, they sounded that good. They don't have the same doctrine. <laughs> but they did sound good. You got a church. Ladies and gentlemen, don't you miss that. Continue to be a great part of it. Pray for it. Let me just insert something here that don't even fit in this message. I'm throwing it in anyway. If you've got something to gripe about, go to one who wants to, doesn't want to listen to you, but go to the preacher. Don't go to your neighbor. Don't get on that stupid telephone. Huh? Come on. Don't call up Mary and say, Martha, did you know? Just shut your mouth. If it's that bad and needs to be dealt with, there is a pastor 
Ladies, there is a pastor's wife if he sees fit to pass it off to her. But not each other. Can, can I just say here a minute? Stay out of the stinking parking lot. He said, well, they can't hear me out there. Oh, yes, he can. God's got a big microphone and he's got a big earpiece. He can hear every word you're saying. He, by the way, if he can do that, he reads every thought. Boy, don't we serve a big God? But I want Christ to be the biggest person in my life. How about you? That would mean I'd be serving him. That'd be soul winning. That'd be my sacrificial giving when times uh, 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 call for that. That would be like seeking his will for my life, period. Every day. Every day. Now I want Jesus to be so big in my life that I will confess him uh, before all men. I, I was witness to a guy at the hotel, he hadn't been back since I got through with him. I don't know if he's off or if, you know, I don't know. But I hope I didn't run him off. I just gave him a picture of you and a track. <laughs> just... But I do. I want to be able to confess him before all men, period. I want to represent him unapologetically, if you will. Matthew 10, hurry. You're holding me up. Matthew chapter 10. I used to, you know, I always say I'm sorry, but it's, it's the people that hold you up. Look here, you're still turning. See there? You're holding me up already. Matthew chapter 10. You'll love this. Look at verse number 32. Matthew 10, verse 32. The Bible said, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, watch it now, him will I also deny. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's the Lord Jesus. He said, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. I don't know about you, but when Jesus shows up before the Father, I want a good word put in for me. I want to be obedient. I want to be serving. I want to be faithful. I want to be turning in my tithe every time I get money to tithe off of. I want to be sending in my missions no matter whether there's COVID or not. Hello. My God's bigger than all this. We've got to be faithful. Thank God for you people showing up for prayer meeting. Oh, what a joy that was to see so many of you here. Well, let me get back because it gets gooder again. Watch this, verse 34. Think not that I've come to send peace on the earth. This is Jesus speaking. I came not to send peace but a sword. Wow, for I've come to set, at variance, uh, 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 set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. I've seen a lot of that. <laughs> and a man's foes shall be they of his own what? Household. Wow. Anybody ever heard of the name Clarence Thibodeau? Anybody? Clarence Thibodeau was a student at Bible college that I attended years ago. Clarence Thibodeau took these verses as seriously. He was from a Cajun family in deep, deep part of, of New Orleans in that area, rough area outside of the city of New Orleans. And he got saved in a fundamental independent Baptist church. And when he got saved and he got baptized, his family didn't want anything to do with him. They thought he had left their faith and left all that mess they were in. And they turned him out. He was married, he got married and, and uh, went off to college, finished college and everything. And 
I mean, when they found out he's going to be Baptist, they disowned him. They held a, uh, help me out, what's the name of that thing? A wake. They held a wake to consider him dead. His family wanted nothing more to do with him. That's how messed up they were, but yet they were the strong Catholic people. I'll tell you who didn't give up on him. Jesus didn't give up on him. He left his family behind, his mom, his dad, his grandmother, grandfather, uncles, cousins, all the swamp people. He left all that behind for what? For God. To serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And up until I lost track of where he was, he was doing a great job. And it, had not, it could not have been easy for him to be that way. But he did. He stood for the Lord. But I want, the, I want the Lord to be big in my life. I want Him to be so big in my life, ladies and gentlemen, that I'll not be able to live in sin that He's already delivered me from. Let me repeat that. I want Jesus to be so big in my life that I'll not continue to live in sin that He's already delivered me from. I'm saved. I can't go to hell anymore, but I can't get in trouble if I sin. And don't tell me our flesh didn't cause us to sin every day of our life. Read Romans chapter 6, find out if Paul didn't deal with sin. He dealt with the, dealt with the flesh. I believe as I studied his life that this could have, man could have possibly been married before he got born again and his wife just left him, didn't want any part of that lifestyle and he dealt with lust. Read it in Romans 6 and 7. Tell me that you don't see that. And he dealt with that and dealt with that. And he dealt with it successfully as far as I know. But we're here to, to be fishers of men. We're here to be servants of God. And I want him to be big in my life in those areas. Always big in my life. That I'd be willing to cry out, be merciful unto me a sinner, oh Lord. He's the biggest person in your life tonight if you just admit to it. And he ought to be. He must be. If you're going to enjoy the great and mighty things of the Lord that we open with those great and mighty things to come your way. Secondly, next, listen to me. I want the local church that God placed me in to be the biggest institution in my life. I want it to be that important. I want to go visiting for it, soul winning for it, anything I can do when I'm at home, uh, off the road, in my church, be in my place. Are y'all with me? I want to be in my place for my pastor, for my Lord, but for my pastor and for others around me. And by the way, I love being there and seeing if everybody's still there. You know, it's amazing. You get on the road and you come back and some have died. Some are not there anymore. Some are just out. But when it becomes the biggest institution in your life and there's people in there you care about, you'll be interested in them. You might even do something a little unusual like, Pastor, where's brother and so and so? And 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 preacher, and you'll say, Well, you know what? I really don't want to get into that. Why do you ask? And we're just concerned. Said, so, Well, good. Now that you put it that way, here's what I'd like for you to do. I've spoken with I'd like for you just to go by and see them and you give them counsel on how to approach it and how to do that. That's how a church grows. They may never come back if that's the case. I mean, they may be out. But we got to follow up on them, and the pastor can't do all of that, and that's why you're important to the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you serve in that manner, and you support your pastor in that manner, you'll be shocked what God will do in your life, your family, your marriage, and your church. I've seen it happen over and over and over. Acts 20, 28 says this, declaring this amazing truth. 
Let me just read it to you quickly. It says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. And then a maiden, you're sitting in a church purchased with his own blood right here tonight. Well, how can that be? It's a building. No, it's you. If you're saved, you're the church. You make up the church. And if you're not saved, you're in the church tonight, but you need to be a part of the church under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The church is that important to God, our Lord, the Holy Ghost for that matter. But what about us? Can I share these thoughts with you that should challenge you just, they're going to challenge me as I get into them. In the church, listen to me, it was the church I was saved in. Not doing anything for you? I walked all the way around religion. You heard part of my testimony, but went into my preacher's office that Wednesday night and got born again, and I've never doubted it since then. I know that I know that I'm saved even as I stand here, and it happened in the local New Testament, fundamental, independent, premillennial Baptist church. That's where I got that truth from. And my pastor, I believe, he said, I, I thought there was something wrong there, but I, I kept praying that God, you'll, you'll reveal it if there is. And by the way, he did. It was, the church I was, it was the church I was baptized in. When we started church in Wills Point, I'll never forget it, Brother Hinton. The first baptism I had was eight or nine, I can't remember. We went out to Lake Tawakany. We didn't have a baptistry. I waited out, and I'm a little short guy. I waited out for over 200 yards, I think, before I got in water deep enough I could baptize in. A couple of the women that come out there to be baptized, and of course the men too, but a couple of the women scared to death they're going to get bit by an alligator, snake, or something. But boy, what is it? I mean, we, we had that thing pictured back then. We didn't have those cameras and cell phones or whatever back then. But boy, what a blessing just to get those pictures later and, and, and look out there. Here I am standing out there. You can barely see me because I'm so short. But uh, all these people out there and people on the, on, the, on the banks up here, and they were enjoying, they were singing. I mean, it don't get any gooder than that, ladies and gentlemen. It just don't. And here, you got a beautiful baptistry. Where's your baptistry? It's portable. Good, good. Take it on soul winning with you. <laughs> yeah. You know why you know why I tell you that? If I if I told you, listen, if I told you who had one in the back of one of their buses, you wouldn't you, you would know. You would know. I could just hint to it, okay? You say, Was well, there anything wrong with that? I don't know. But they <laughs> baptize them. They also give them two dollars to get saved too. So what can I say? They're getting them numbers, man. But it was the church I was saved in. It was the church I was baptized in. It was the church I was discipled in. It was the church I was called into the ministry in. It was the church and her ministry that my whole family got saved and my sons are pastors today and preachers and my grandsons are in Bible college and my granddaughters in Bible college. It was a local church. That's how important your church is. And is to the Lord. It was the church that my daughter-in-law's and all nine grandchildren were saved in. It's the church that six of my grandchildren at this time have been called to full-time service. It's a church that through my preacher, I would hear the Word of God taught and preached every day, Holy Ghost preaching. And you get that right here. It is my church where I find love, fellowship, and those of like faith. Are we being practical enough tonight? 
Those are people who sincerely care and pray for Miss Audie and I. They call us. They send us little cards from time to time. Of course, we get the emails and other things there. And I could go on and on, folks. One last thought here in this area concerning the local church is what the Lord left you and I to attend and to support with our labor and our tithes and our offerings every single time we meet. I have a question here. How important is it to you? How big is God's institution, God's church to you? For most of you, I believe it's important. Because hearing from your preacher and talking about you who are here now are usually the ones that are here always. And if you're visiting tonight and you don't have a church home, this is it. I'm telling you, this is it. I mean it with all my heart. If I've moved to this area, this is the church I've come to. Just from what I've seen since I've been here. So I want Christ, my Lord, to be the biggest person in my life. I want the church to be the biggest institution in my life. Y'all still with me? I got a third one. I want the Bible to be the biggest book in my life. Be the biggest book in my life. Psalm 119, hurry. There's a movie on. No. Psalm 119. Look at verse number 9. Just jump around here with me. The Bible said, verse number 9, Psalm 19, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto, watch it now, according to thy, what? Word. Look at verse number 11. Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Look down at verse number 25. My soul cleaveth unto the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy word. Look at verse 27. Make me to understand the way of thy precepts. So shall I talk of thy wondrous works. Look at verse 28. My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according unto thy word. Look at verse number 41. Drop down a little bit further. Let thy mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation according to thy word. Verse 58. Drop, jump ahead a little ways. Verse 58. I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me according to thy word. Verse 65. Boy, there's a lot of good stuff here. Thou hast dealt well, verse 65, with thy servant, O Lord, according unto thy word. Verse 76, right down a little bit farther. Lest let I pray thee, thy merciful kindness be for my comfort according to thy word unto thy servant. Psalm 105, jump way ahead here. Psalm 105, you know it. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 165, just jump way ahead now. Psalm 1 said, Great peace have they which love thy law. That's the word. Nothing shall offend them. I could go on and on and on. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. I want the Bible to be the biggest book in my life. I got books all over my office area. Many of them have been given to my sons and some friends, preacher friends or whatever. I got boxes still left over. I was in your preacher's office. He's got more, he's, he's got more books than Jesus had. He does. How many of you have been in the preacher's office? Well, if you haven't been in there, just line up. Get a view of it anyways. All right? Some of them books are older than him about ten times. <laughs> and me. I mean, they are. But you know what? Reading God's Word, reading about God's Word. Can I just put a little asterisk here and talk to you a minute? 
Don't buy a book until you talk to your pastor. Did you hear me, folks? Don't buy a book until you talk to the pastor. And, and another thing, this is just, thank you, Lord. You know, sometimes the Holy Spirit just slaps you up alongside the head and says, Preacher, put this in there. If you're a Baptist, you're a Baptist. Don't pull one of those weirdos up on your television set. Don't get them on your cell phone or whatever. It will mess you up. You'll go around, all of a sudden you'll start doubting. Well, preacher, that's not what sister so-and-so said. Sister, what do you mean sister? There's more sisters on there than there are brethren. Be careful. Devil knows how to get around all that and get get a hold of you. So don't let that happen to you. Well, I want the Bible to be the biggest book in my life. What about you? Amen. Amen. Thank the Lord for good books written by good men and women. I have shelves of them. You preach, I have shelves of them. I just jumped ahead of myself. Look at there. But the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing sunder of soul and spirit, you know, the joints of moral, and is a discerner, a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart. In the book of Amos, there's some eye-opening and hopefully heart-wrenching scriptures. You've got to see this. You'll have to find it. So go to the book of Amos for just a moment. Book of Amos. And by the way, and this is not being racist. Somebody will say that. But anybody ever remember the, the show Amos and Andy? How many of you old folk remember the show Amos and Andy? Was that not hilarious? What happened to them old comedies? And by the way, we're such racist people. These were black folk way back in the 50s and early 60s, ladies and gentlemen. It was the funniest show on television. You know, a little black and white thing that was about this big that sat in front of you. And, and you used to have to put uh, aluminum foil around the antenna to get a good clear picture. Or you do like my daddy. He had stinky feet. He could take his sock off, raise his foot up there to just straighten out right there. <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> of course, the rest of it like to choke to death. <laughs> but that is true. That's not just a funny. It's a fact. I can see my dad up here right now. He said, son, was that necessary? <laughs> but it is necessary. God's good, is he not? Amen. Amos 8, verse number 11. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land. Not a famine of bread, nor of thirst, nor water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Wow. They shall wander from sea to sea and from the north, even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. In that day, listen, shall the fair birds and young men faint for thirst. There's coming a day where there's a famine. Look up here. Don't you think for one minute that can't happen in our lifetime. You get the wrong leadership in our country. The number one thing, I said I wouldn't get political and I won't, but just listen to the facts here. They're coming after your guns. You're not going to be able to fly unless you have the COVID and they're going to mark you. I don't know if that's the mark of the beast or not. We've read about it. But I know one thing, it's coming. Did y'all hear what I said? And, and, and listen, we need to, to, to hide the Word of God in our heart, but we need to hide it anywhere we can, dig a hole and put it in the bucket just in case, have one available out there. Wouldn't I better be careful what I'm talking about online here. I had a friend of mine that has dug a hole. And that hole's got more guns and bullets in it than I think the United States Army's got. <laughs> you say, you know where it's at, Lord? No, he ain't that dumb. He ain't about to tell a preacher where it's at. <laughs> but he said, preacher, you ever get in the bind, just holler at me. 
He's in an independent Baptist church. Yeah, yeah. I got his number. <laughs> How big is, is the Bible, God's word to you tonight? See, these are the things that make us tick as children of God. Have you read it lately? Huh? Have you read it at all? Have you read it all the way through? And if you get a wife that's judgmental and she's ahead of you, just put up with it. That's what I have to do. <laughs> but she goes through it every year. Every year. We need to read it regularly. Read it prayerfully. Read it studiously. Read it in the spirit of obedience. Seeking for direction in God's will for your life. Read it by faith. Believe it by faith. Remember that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. That's the reading of it, the teaching of it, the preaching of it, and all of it spirit-led so God can do something in us and God's able to do something through us. His Bible is His Word once and forever. It shows you and I the state of man and sinners doomed for hell. But it also provides a way of salvation destined for heaven if they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Its doctrines are pure. I'm talking about Bible Baptist. Bible doctrine, Bible Baptist doctrine, same thing. His doctrines are pure, they're holy, they're important, and they have to be believed and obeyed in order to have any effect. Someone decades ago said, and I quote, Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe. Practice it to be holy, and live it to be happy. This big book in my life has light that has directed my life and will direct yours. It has food to feed you as it's fed me and my family. It has comfort to bring cheer to your life and you personally throughout your life. It is the biggest book, by the way, it's the biggest book in my life, but is it the biggest book in your life? So Christ is the biggest person in my life. God's church is the biggest institution in my life. God's Bible is the biggest book in my life. He said, you through? Almost. Number four, I want God's business to be the biggest business in my life. He said, well, what's that? Whatever he has for me to do. Soul winning, of course, is the number one thing. But just being a help and a blessing to others. Make sure somebody that doesn't have a Bible gets a Bible. You say, well, I'm going to wait until they get saved and get born again and get into church and I'll get them a Bible. That's not the way to think of it. How about getting a Bible and, and marking some scriptures in there for them so they can go to the right scriptures and God do something like supernatural and with the scriptures that have been marked for them to read, they go read them. All of a sudden, God gets a hold of their heart. They end up coming to your church, and here's a preacher preaching on the same thing and gets born again. That's how it works. You say, well, you know, preacher, uh, Bibles are, are so expensive. Really? Did you ever gripe at anybody that had a Bible that gave you a Bible or gave you a Bible or gave you a church to go to? No, you didn't. You just went to it and were blessed by it. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes we're just very selfish people. I mentioned it this morning. I'm going to mention it again tonight. I'm so sick and tired of black and white, brown and blue or green or whatever. We, we, we become everybody's personal judge when there's only one judge and it's Jesus. It's God the Father. And I don't care whether you're Mexican, Mexican, American, I told you that I've got Muslims in my family all the way back to my grandfather coming over from the Middle East back in 1899. Marrying my old Southern Baptist grandmother. I think I mentioned that this week, maybe last week. I'm preaching different places. 
He said, you're a Muslim? No, I'm a Texan. <laughs> and a Christian. That makes a Texan a better person. A Christian. But you know what? He met my old Southern Baptist grandma and she straightened him out. <laughs> I mean, she was rough. She's the one, I don't know if I told you the church last time, she's the one that she'd get mad at a grandkid like me. She, she wouldn't just talk to you. She'd come around and get a hold of your ear and talk to you on the way to get the belt. <laughs> You're hurting already, and you know if she'll turn loose of that, I can get away. Well, she knew that. <laughs> and so when she drug you into the bedroom, one thing you didn't want to do is fight and try to get away because she's going to catch you. You can't fight and get away from God either. He's going to catch you. You can't fake God. You can't. He knows. He knows the innermost you. So I want God's business, the business of soul winning, the business of love, mercy, grace, the business of, of serving in any way, uh, fashion that I can. I want to be a growing disciple of the Lord. I want to be an active servant in His local church. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, don't turn there, but it is part of the Great Commission. The most known verses that people usually read is Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Deals with God's main business, getting people saved through the blood of the only begotten Son of, the, uh, of God, the, the Lord Jesus. We all know that it was given in five different times, uh, 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 elements, and in five different geographical locations throughout our Bible, throughout the New Testament. It was given to the believers before the ascension. Which, by the way, listen to me, they were his very last words to the disciples there. And that still includes us today. How are we, as his disciples, carrying out the greatest business, which just happens to be his, tonight? How are you personally helping to carry your load of responsibility? So we've seen so far that we want Christ to be the biggest person in our life this hour. How many of you agree? Say amen. amen. We want God's church to be the biggest institution in our life this hour. Say amen. amen. We want God's book to be the, uh, the Bible to be the biggest book in our library and our lives this hour. You believe that? Say amen. amen. We want God's business to be the biggest and most important business this hour as well. Can you say amen? amen. Well, then maybe you'll agree with me. And listen to me. I want the day I got saved to be the biggest day of my life. Had I not knelt in my pastor's office that night And listen to him pray over me, and then I prayed the sinner's prayer. And I've been in church. I was a youth director. I was a high school boy teacher. And I prayed that night, Lord, save me. Something's not right. And God saved me that night. And my life's never been the same since. There are people sitting in church today, you're going to die and go to hell because you put on a good show. It's not a show. It's a reality check. Either you're saved or you're not. Well, if I went and said I wasn't saved now, I'd just be, uh, I'd be they'd think I was faking it. i tell you what, I wouldn't care what anybody thought. And I'm not trying to get you born again again. Amen. Aren't you glad they threw away the key on some of you when you were born physically? I was glad they got rid of it on me. You know, so was my parents, I think. 
at least when I was younger. But the thing about it, ladies and gentlemen, listen to me, you've got to be sure. Brother Hinton, you've had it happen. I've had people get saved in my church over the years that you thought was the best person in the world, but they were something not right. And ladies and gentlemen, you're not ever going to have revival until you get right, until you get saved, born again, washed in the blood of the everlasting Lamb. When that happens, yes, you're going to mess up and you're going to fall by the wayside from time to time, but you don't have to get born again again. You just get right with God. You're not going to have revival without being right with God. You've had the opportunity. You've had some good prayer meetings. You've had some weeping going on in your church in the last few weeks, and, and that's good. That, that works. But in order for this church to do the thing your pastor has in his heart and his mind and God already has, that's some great and mighty things, which thou knowest not. Those things are coming. But God wants his people, real people, saved people, to be in on it. Are you saved? Are you really saved? Wouldn't it be better? And I don't want to buy you off. I don't want to offer you a $10 bill. I don't want to offer you anything. I just want you to walk out of here not knowing that you know, that you know, that you know that you're saved, period. And then if you are and you're not right, follow it up and get right with God. Confess your sin. He is faithful and just to forgive your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Sometimes, you know what? When I was growing up, I didn't want to have a bath either, but most of the time my mama said, you need a bath. <laughs> it's time. Pretty bad when your old mama has said, and then if you don't do it, daddy said, you're going to get a bath. You either go get it or I'm coming in there with a brush. <laughs> yeah, that's rough stuff there. <laughs> I'm looking at a great body of people here, preacher. And I'm sure there's some weak links. God loves weak links because He can clean them up, put that link back together that no man can take and break, not even you. Don't you want to get, on, get in on one of the biggest things that's ever happened to Corpus Christi in a big way? You're going to have to get in on it and get these chairs filled. You, you, you're going to have to understand God's got big things laid out there for you. Get it filled. Get people in here. Hey, bring the money people in too. Got to have money to build buildings. You say, well, they won't come to this kind of church. If they get born again, they will. If you treat them right and love them, they might. And you know what? You might even smile when you go out there. <laughs> and you know what happens then? God just puts it. I sure like that young man. We need to go see what his church is like. They're all smiling now. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Isn't God's work a lot of fun? The biggest day of my life, humanly speaking, is the day I met Mrs. Ogby. It was a life-changing day in my life. 54 years ago. The day I married her, even greater. The day we had our first child. I went to Vietnam. I flew back for emergency surgery. I was back for less than 24 hours to be in the operating area where she was giving birth to my first son, Shane Ogney, Michael Shane. I had to leave. I couldn't even see him. 
after that. I come home. He was several months old. I came in at Lovefield Airport. It's the only airport we had in Dallas at that time. i never forget getting off that plane, walking across that tarmac, and climbing those stairs again, coming in. She had shown him my picture all the time I'd been gone. And he came running to me. Came running to me and jumped up in my arms. And I grabbed him and I hugged him. And I didn't want to turn loose of him. Why? I was his father. God's your father. You come running to him. You see, if he don't pick you up and wrap you up in his arms and love you and take care of you and yeah, he's going to put you through some trials along the way just to see how really tough you are and how right you are. But that just strengthens you if you'll just obey him. Those are times I'll never forget. Ever. And they're dear to me. My wife and I have had a good life and a good marriage. Got good kids. She's looking at me now. I can see it. I see you. <laughs> Them boys are rough, man. She never had any, but she's got granddaughters everywhere, and half of them are at the house right now. I just hope they're gone. I hope you're gone when I get home. Amen. <laughs> but later, watching those, that same little boy and his two brothers get started going to Sunday school and church and getting saved and and later watch them get married and have their own children. Knowing all of them had been saved along with each daughter-in-law had been saved. And the day God called us into the ministry, the church that God allowed us to start in East Texas, were all big days. But none of those things would have ever happened without the biggest day of our lives, my life, Mrs. Ogden's life. And that's the day we were born again, saved by the blood of the crucified one, the Lord Jesus. What's big in your life tonight? Your aspirations, your business, your dreams, worldly things, the flesh, money. You know what we need? We need the mindset of the Apostle Paul. Take your Bible, we're just about done. Philippians chapter 3. You talk about revival, you get a hold of this tonight, and it'll, it'll spark revival in you in no time. It'll encourage you, help you. Philippians chapter 3, look at verse 7. Paul's writing to the church at Philippi. He said, but what things were gained to me, talking about his life, he said, those I counted lost for Christ. He said, I made up my mind, if you will. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Listen to what Paul says, the loss of all things. And do count them but dung. I hope I don't have to describe that for you. That I may win Christ, listen to it, and be found in Him not having my own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through faith, the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Watch it now. That I may know Him. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable Unto his death. That's how sold out Paul was. Paul wrote so many books in there. Some believe 12, some believe 13, whatever. 
all the books in the Bible, and they were all books of encouragement and books of challenge and books of deprivation and, and, and books of, uh, of, of, of giving his life to the Lord and, and to these men that God he put that uh, God put Paul over, Timothy and the others, Titus and the others. Can I just add a PS to the end of the message tonight? I know it's rough out there right now. We don't know what to expect. So I finish with this. I also want the second coming of our Lord in the rapture to be the biggest expectation of my life. Not government, not my next pay raise, which is hard to come by in evangelism. Not that this world is going to get much better, but that Jesus is coming for his own soon. And speaking of him, speaking of it was he who left these words. Oh my gosh, I wrote these down at the last minute. We've all heard them, but take your Bible, go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I told you, we've got one more place to go. First Thessalonians chapter 4. You know it well. You know exactly where I'm headed. You got it marked in your Bible. First Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain shall be caught unto the coming of the Lord, shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Oh, I like this. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught together with them in a the cloud to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen. Oh, I like how he closes the letter out, don't you? Wherefore, comfort one another. With these words. Child of God, where are you at tonight in the Lord? Seriously. How bad do you desire revival in your church? Because it's going to take all of you, not part of you. I'm not talking about the body. I'm talking about you. In a moment, we're going to give an altar call. If you're here tonight and you're not saved and you don't know you're saved, you need to come immediately. You need to understand that the rapture could happen at any moment. And if you're not saved and you miss it, you're going to hell. It's that simple. But you don't need to miss it. Tonight's a new night. We haven't heard the trumpet, the shout, the voice of the archangel yet. You've got an opportunity to be saved, be born again, and know that you know that you're saved. Never have to worry about it again. Amen. And then, child of God, if you got it all right this week, wonderful. But if you don't, this is the last time tonight you're going to have that opportunity. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.